When I began, uh, when I began thinking about uh, today's service, I uh, read the passage, the passage from Acts. Uh, I thought a bit, and then I sat down with a cup of tea to read the newspaper. And the first headline I saw was Cameron forced into humiliating U-turn. I can't, <laughs> I can't remember the story. It seems to be a fairly uh, familiar um, headline where political stories are concerned. Uh, where, where governments are concerned, governments of, of whatever party, a U-turn is usually described as uh, something humiliating or, at the very least, embarrassing. It's taken by the media as proof that the government of the day uh, doesn't really know what it's doing, that it couldn't organise a bun fight in a bakery. And as I sat and drank my tea, I thought, Paul does this U-turn uh, after his... Damascus Road experience but there's no sense of that being humiliating it's a more it's a more complete more dramatic u-turn that any uh, that any government or public figure might take it's more dramatic even than a Brighton fan deciding to support Crystal Palace <laughs> Or if we want to be serious, more dramatic than the Catholic Church deciding to ordain women priests. For Paul, it was mind-boggling. But Paul admits he was wrong. You see, if we go back to the days immediately after Jesus uh, resurrection. Once those in Jerusalem uh, who followed Jesus started to win converts, they began to experience hostility. And uh, just in passing, we might speculate perhaps that one of the reasons Christians in Britain don't experience much hostility is that we're not very good at winning converts. But that's another sermon for another day. Once people began to be attracted to what was called uh, the way, what we call Christianity, they began to be persecuted and some fled. And Paul, or Saul as he then was, was a number one persecutor. So zealous was Saul that he got special permission from the high priest in Jerusalem to uh, go all the way to Damascus, a journey of 150 miles on dangerous roads. You know, we think our roads are dangerous now, uh, and I try travelling from Hasek to Railway Station to Stone Pound Crossroads, and it's like, we think our roads are dangerous, but on their roads you are likely to get attacked and robbed. But Paul, you see, was on a mission. He was on a mission to see if he could find any Christian converts and bring them back as prisoners. And on the road, he has this incredible experience. Suddenly a light from heaven flashes around him and he hears a voice say, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you? He says. 
I am Jesus. Now, get up and go into the city and you'll be told what to do. And this isn't just in Saul's imagination because the men who are with him hear this voice too. And then after three days in which Saul is blind, he is filled with the Holy Spirit and his sight is restored. He returns to Jerusalem and applies to join Jesus' disciples and becomes Paul. He's no longer one of the uh, religious police zealous to impose the law by violence. He is transformed by the compassion of the suffering Christ. He sets out, he sets out, if you like, as a member of the Gestapo and he comes back as one of the resistance. That's how dramatic it is. And he doesn't pull his punches because in the passage we read, uh, which from the letter he wrote later to the church in Ephesus, he says, you were dead in your transgression sin. You followed the ways of the world and the rule of the kingdom of the air, that is Satan, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. But because of his great love for us, so he's speaking of himself too, God made us alive through Christ. That's how, that's how dramatic it was for Paul. The man who set out to take prisoner, anyone who followed the way, says that the Lord has said to him, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they might turn from darkness to light. And 20 years later, when Paul is on trial, he tells Felix, the Roman governor, that he worships the God of his ancestors as a follower of the way. <clears throat> Paul's U-turn was a key moment in the development of the early church. Paul was a Hellenist, that's to say, he was a Greek-speaking Jew from overseas rather than Hebrew. And he and other Greek-speaking Christians came to play a crucial role in preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. You see, we have to remember that on Easter Day, the number of people committed to the way, the number of committed followers of Jesus was tiny. Probably not more than about a hundred. But as we read through the book of Acts, as you are doing on Sunday mornings at present, we see increasing numbers being influenced by the resurrection. Increasing numbers having their lives changed. Peter, the fisherman who let Jesus down, who is transformed into the rock on which the church was built. Or Philip, another Greek-speaking Jew who takes the gospel into Samaria and heals people and baptizes the Ethiopian. Or Barnabas. Barnabas is one of my 
Bible heroes because he's an encourager. He goes from Jerusalem to Antioch to encourage the new believers. And you can read about them all and lots more in Acts. And of course, there lies the challenge for us. Do our encounters with Jesus change us in any way? When we first discovered for uh, when we first discovered Jesus for ourselves, did it did it turn our lives around? I asked that question at the 9:30 service, and a man came and spoke to me afterwards, and he said, "Yeah, it did actually." For me, he said it was every bit as dramatic as it was for Paul. When we discovered Jesus, did it cause us to reassess our priorities? Did it cause us to do a U-turn? And does it still? Because even if we've been Christians for many years, there should still be times when God seeks to interrupt our lives to step into our busyness and make us see things differently. I listened uh, on the uh, Sunday programme on Radio 4 this morning to the outgoing Bishop of Liverpool, James Jones, I think his name is. And he said to be a disciple doesn't only mean you're a follower, it means you're a learner. And we should all continue to be learners because God still has things to teach us. Or perhaps our lives are turned around and I can think of occasions when this has happened to me through some sudden and unexpected act of kindness visited upon us. Or perhaps through a tragedy which has forced us to reassess to reassess what are the real priorities for us. Or perhaps some act of our own behaviour which we come to see as having not been what Jesus would have had us do. Or perhaps through God using someone to challenge us. My wife Rosemary and I went on holiday earlier in the year uh, and we had, were told just before we were due to go that our holiday would start three days later than it should have done and finish three days later because the ship had been damaged. Well, I was plunged into despair. You see, I had a ticket for an important football match <laughs> and I might not now be back in time. And I walked around the house like a bear with a sore head for about 24 hours. Until Rosemary stepped in and she said, are you sure you have got your priorities right? You're lucky to be able to choose between going on holiday and going to a football match. Get real. No one is dead. It is not a world disaster. She was right. She usually is. <laughs> but God had used her to make me reassess the way I was seeing things. And God was very good. We got back. 
I dropped my case at Victoria Coach Station and hot-footed it all the way to Wembley and got there just as the match was started. God is very good to me, and I never forget that. Our encounters with God and with those acting on God's behalf should cause us to see things differently. Perhaps reminding us of the need to put God first. Or perhaps reminding us of the need to worship God rather than worldly idols, whether they be football or whatever else. Or of thanking God for each and every day we are given. And as I get older, that becomes more important to me. To thank God for each and every day that God gives me. And I begin my prayers every morning by saying, Lord God, thank you for giving me today. Or perhaps by giving God the glory when we receive praise for doing something that God has given us the talent to do. That's really important for a preacher to not take the praise for yourself because a preacher is giving people the word of God. Or testifying to God's goodness even in times of trouble. Or seeking to do good whenever we can. Does God still interrupt our lives and encourage us to do that. We might not have a conversion experience as dramatic as Paul's or the man who spoke to me after the 9.30 service this morning. For many of us, it is a very gradual process. And our Christian experience might not be as up and down as Peter's was. But it should cause us to see the world differently. Or as Paul said, to move from darkness into light. He said in that letter uh, to the Ephesian Christians, which Hillary read part of, because of his great love for us, God made us alive through Christ. And that is what our faith should do for us.